Welcome back to the Silver and Black Pride Cast. As always, this is Levi Damien, and I am joined, of course, by my partner in crime, Tyler Smith, aka Raider Domus. We're going to take a look back at some of the uh, free agent moves the Raiders have made so far. We expect there will be a few more, perhaps even a few more in the time it takes to get this thing all wrapped up and put up for your listening pleasure. But we'll do work with what we have at the moment. The Raiders have made a lot of moves. Um, so why don't we just, we'll just start with uh, their own or the guys that were their own in some cases. Uh, the few guys they re-signed, uh, Denzel Good, Chaz Green, Jonathan Hankins, Eric Harris. They also put tenders on Daryl Worley, Jalen Richard, um, and they, they re-signed Eric Harris. They were going to tender him, and they decided to re-sign him anyway. Um, instead, it was a two-year deal instead of that uh, restricted free agent one-year deal thing. Uh, let's take a look at those moves first and foremost. Uh, let's start with Denzel Good and Chaz Green, the guards. Both guys were brought in late last season as injury replacements. Denzel Good, I think, made an absolute world of sense to bring him back. He played really well in place of Gabe Jackson. He started three games. Uh, the first game was a little rough, as you might expect, because it was his first game as a Raider. But the last two games, he played, well, good. He felt played great, I would say. And he certainly impressed the coaches enough to want to bring him back for another year. Uh, I'm not sure whether he's the answer long-term um, or not. I mean, they let Kalecio Semele go. They traded him, in fact, though they were – said to have uh, been planning to cut him had they not traded him for I think they moved up from a sixth to a fifth rounder and so it's pretty much a very they got very little in return for a guy that they were planning on cutting but um, we'll get to that in a minute at this moment before the draft it would appear as if Denzel Good be penciled in as the replacement there uh, what are your thoughts on bringing back Denzel Good and Chaz Green Tyler I'm in. I'm in favor of it. Good is uh, he played extremely well down the stretch for the Raiders when they really needed somebody to step up because of all the offensive line injuries that they. Had. Uh, I think all of the moves that we've mentioned so far um, are excellent depth moves, especially Jonathan Hankins, um, who is a pretty key part of the defensive line rotation, uh, and Denzel Good. I, I think is really underrated as what he can bring to the team. So, so I'm very happy they brought him back. I had right up there in like the the top priorities for bringing back to this team. I had uh, Jared Cook. I thought Doug Martin would be important to bring back, but that was kind of contingent on whether um, Marshawn Lynch wanted to return. And I could see if they went, um, they looked to the draft instead or looked elsewhere to for possibly an upgrade that they might not uh, go after Doug Martin. I don't think there's any real um, sense of urgency on that because I don't think anybody else is really banging down uh, Doug Martin's door to bring him in at this point. I think he's just hit 30 or will be soon. But uh, I also had, you know, uh, like I said, Denzel Good, Jonathan Hankins, Dwayne Harris, um, Daryl Worley, um, Jalen Richard, um, all, and Eric Harris all up there as guys that they really needed to think about bringing back. They needed to make an effort to bring them back. I mean, I, I really like Hankins and Harris, um, Dwayne Harris, that is. I like Eric Harris as well, as well but Hankins and Harris especially. Um, Jonathan Hankins returning I think is crucial when you look at this, the defensive line rotation, the interior defensive line. He kind of completed that. He was the best player on that interior defensive line last year. 
and bringing him back really just like that you have Hankins and Ellis at the nose, and then you have the two guys they drafted, Hurst and PJ Hall at at the uh, at the three tech, and there you go, you have your rotation on the interior. You know, you get Eddie Vanderdose is just kind of a wild card. They aren't really counting on him to do anything. So, so resigning Hankins, I think, was was a was a really good move. They don't need to bother with it in the draft. They want to. They have plenty of other needs to deal with in the draft. So having him back in house and is uh, is really important. And and you know the putting the tenders on. Morley and Richard was kind of a no-brainer as well. To the ERFA, Cabinda played some played some snaps, uh, a handful of snaps each game, uh, rotating in at the middle linebacker position. I don't think they're really counting on him at that middle linebacker spot, which is the reason why they're out there looking right now as we speak. Who knows? They might even have signed someone by the time this goes out, but uh, they're looking at quite a few different linebackers, uh, most notably Vontez Perfect coming in from the Bengals who was just released yesterday. He obviously has his history with Paul Gunther. He he just loves the guy. He's he basically perfect as the linebacker only Gunther could love cuz cuz uh, he just kept putting him in there and starting him and he hasn't played a full season since 2013. He's either either lost missed games because of suspensions or because of uh injuries. He's been both. He's he's been injured or he's been suspended. In fact, he's been penalized either by a suspension or a fine or both uh, 10 times by my count in the past six seasons, which is quite amazing. I think that's kind of his reputation though. I can see, I can see the bringing him in. I I can see how it makes some sense to bring him in to be the linebacker here with his familiarity with, with Gunther. And, uh, and it kind of gives you a little bit of a cushion, a little insurance in case, you go into the draft. I still think they should be looking to the draft to get a middle linebacker. But they can. The thing is, is if they brought in Perfect or one of these other guys like Brandon Marshall or, or um, one of these other guys that they were looking at right now, um, they they can go into the draft and they can draft somebody or they can. If they should they draft somebody, they they'd have whoever they signed for a year, maybe two, who knows, and. If it's perfect and he gets suspended or something, and they drafted a guy, they can just play. They can start that guy and see and see how he does right off the bat. But they don't. But if he doesn't get suspended, they don't have to. You know, it just gives them some options there. What are your What are your thoughts on Perfect and the linebacker position for the Raiders? Well, Perfect is only 28 years old. Uh, when we think about him, we think he's been around forever, but he's really not that old. But the trouble is with him, even though he has had his best years under Paul Gunther and really is a very good scheme fit for, for Gunther's system, is that Perfect has had seven concussions in his career that we know of. Uh, I mean, the guy should probably retire before he becomes, you know, a junior Seau type where he's just getting beat up all the time. Uh, but he's still pretty effective when he's out there on the field. So if the doctors clear him, and he, if he thinks he can go, then, then good for him. But, uh, but the seven concussions are something that, that bothers me the most about him, even more than his pension for getting suspended for PEDs or for wanton violence or whatever. So, I mean, I'm, I'm concerned about the guy, but I think he would be a good fit for the Raiders at this point. I, I think it's, it's interesting. I think the concuss- concussions and all the fines and everything, they all kind of fall into the same basket. You know, if you're leading with your head and you're trying to hurt guys, you're going to hurt yourself. If you're going after them with your, your, their, your helmet. You're going to, you're going to knock yourself out a couple of times. You know, you need to, be careful and he's just not he plays with a reckless abandon which apparently Paul Gunther just loves 
He loves that he's got that he's he's a passionate linebacker, even if it boils over and has him twisting other guys' ankles on purpose or stomping on them on the ground or whatever the case may be. He's just got quite a history for that. And of course, it's gonna lead to the officials being pretty flag happy um when it comes to him. And in most cases, he's gonna deserve it. And unfortunately, you're gonna have people who are, you know, fans if he were to sign with the Raiders, the Raiders fans saying, um, oh, he it wasn't that bad. They're just he's it's just his reputation that caused it but then he's uh it's a little bit of both you know he's gonna he's gonna earn them and he's going to uh he's gonna have because i mean you know there are probably instances in football where guys maybe should have gotten a flag or a fine for something they did and they and they and they and they didn't get that flag or that fine but perfect is not going to escape that for sure that's kind of that's just who he is absolutely so while we're talking about guys that uh that were cut like perfect from the previous team the guys that the Raiders cut, they cut uh, a few guys to clear up some cap space and they traded one that they were supposedly going to cut. They cut Donald Penn recently and Jordy Nelson and AJ McCarron. And that cleared up a pretty decent amount of money there. Um, myself, I, I thought, I thought for a moment there that Seth Roberts was going to be going to be on his way out the door um, because he saved 5 million with no dead money. But the fact is that, they have nobody else to play the slot. All the guys that they signed are all deep threats. And, uh, of course, we'll get into that in a minute. It, but Seth Roberts is a, is a slot guy, so it makes sense to, in that regard to hold on to him, at least until you can find a replacement. And, and uh, letting Osemele go, I disagreed with. I, I just don't think you, you do that even to save the $10 million that they saved for him. Tyler, what do you think? Are there any of these cuts that you disagree with? Well, uh, A.J. McCarron might be the one that sticks out to me just because the Raiders don't have much in the way of a backup quarterback, but they can always draft one. I thought McCarron uh, was a good influence in the quarterback room. Um, he's he's a solid hand, won a you know, couple national titles at Alabama. He's a guy that you like to have around, but he's also a guy who's fairly expendable. But he's he's the one I didn't really necessarily expect coming down the pike. The thing about A.J., and you mentioned that you didn't agree with him being him being cut – I will piggyback on that and say I think he's the most likely to be brought back because I I think that I think they they valued his place on the team I just didn't think I think they just didn't want to pay him what he was being paid I think he's set to make about five million dollars and they just didn't think that that um, the backup quarterback position on this team was worth that money so of the guys that were cut he's the most likely to be brought back and they've. It, it looks as if they're open. Let's put it that way. It looks as if they're they're open to bringing him back. I mean, it looks as if they're even open to bring Jordy Nelson back. But I can't imagine him coming back for a couple of reasons. They 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 essentially replaced him on the team. You know, his age as well as uh, just the fact that if they let him go to save like less than four million, or is he that that would suggest that that's what they feel like he's worth, and he can either get more than that from another team or he can just retire one or the other. So yeah, I could see de- definitely see them bringing AJ McCarron back just as at a lower salary and, and a little bit later when they kind of figure out exactly who they want to bring in and, and what, what kind of cap space they're going to have, then that would kind of solve that. And, you know, they could even look to the draft as well if they want to, because um, Nathan Peterman is not it. That's for sure. All right. So that's, we've kind of talked around the acquisitions they made. We talked about how Jordy Nelson has been replaced. Well, what has he been replaced with? They signed three, not one, not two, but 
three deep threat receivers, which is uh, is a message to Derek Carr if there ever was one. The message being that um, we want you to throw deep. We don't want um, this to just be this dink and dunk stuff. And we're going to sign some guys that can make sure that you're able to do it. First off, of course, Antonio Brown trading for him, arguably the best receiver in the NFL, giving him a, a huge weapon. I think I don't think there's anybody out there who disagrees with the deal to bring him in. What they gave out the third and the fifth and the and the uh, the salary, which is fairly good. He, he didn't become the highest paid receiver unless you add up both his what he got from the Raiders and what he's still getting from the Steelers. But his actual cap hit and salary is not the, the highest in the in the NFL on a three year deal. I take it you're pretty much a fan of that deal as well, Tyler. I definitely am. Uh, it does not happen every day that you have the opportunity to acquire a guy like that who is the best at his position, arguably, uh, in the NFL. Uh, and when it comes along, you have to do it, and you have to do it properly. Uh, and we just saw that Mike Mayock was able to execute this deal. Uh, and him being a rookie GM and able to pull this off with the Steelers and then able to pull this off with Drew Rosenhaus to get that contract ironed out uh, gives me a lot of confidence in the Raiders' front office that they can handle stuff like this. Uh, and then just to have Antonio Brown on the team with the enthusiasm that he's brought to the Raiders, uh, with him working out with Derek Carr every day, seeing Mike the happiest guy in the room, I mean, that, that's really what you want to see. Uh, now, when, when, uh, when you have a, a rookie quarterback that you're really excited about, what are the first th- two things you do? You get him a huge weapon to throw to, and you get him protection. And that's what the Raiders have done with Derek Carr, even though he's not a rookie. They're giving him a second chance here to say, here, you prove yourself. You go out there and you show us what you can do. And if he does it, he'll, he'll stay with the Raiders for a long, long time. And if he doesn't, then he'll be on his way. Uh, I, I just think um, the Raiders have a much better chance to, to compete offensively this year than they did last year or, or in several of the other years that Carr has had. Well, yeah, you mentioned – well, I mentioned they, they signed three guys. You mentioned they brought him some protection. We haven't mentioned yet with what those who those guys are, of course. Um, a lot of you, you already know. They also brought in Tyrell Williams. Um, he's that X guy that Raiders needed, that big, that big tall, uh, long strider that can jump up and pull balls down. Uh, and then they brought in J.J. Nelson, uh, small, speedy, also a deep threat. Although uh, he's more of a depth guy, really, what you had in Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams—that's where you—that's where Jordy Nelson became expendable. You just didn't. There just wasn't uh, room to pay that much money to three receivers, especially when uh, they kind of between those two of them, they kind of handle what Jordy Nelson does uh, pretty well. Not to say Jordy Nelson doesn't have other skills that those guys don't possess, but uh, at this point in his career, you know, 34 years old. Uh, probably not uh, not going to be a huge weapon for in, in that mix. And I think when they unexpectedly got Antonio Brown and uh, and that kind of attracted Tyrell Williams, that put them in a situation they didn't expect to be in. I think I think they were probably scouting some guys in the draft. Mayak was certainly talking about wanting to go for one of those guys. I like you like Butler and you know I like Harry and you know both kind of like both of those guys, but. It kind of seemed like they might be out of the mix at this point with those two guys, but you never really know. I think Williams' deal is more of kind of a, it's a one-year and we'll see type of deal. But uh, after that, you you mentioned they got some protection. They got uh, Trent Brown from the Patriots. My thoughts on Trent Brown are giving him a record deal 
after one year as a starter with the Patriots is a really risky move. I don't disagree with acquiring him. They definitely needed a tackle, whether it be right tackle or left tackle, which is kind of up in the air, which side they want to play him on. But with a record deal, a lot of people assumed, I think, that they're intending on putting him at left tackle. We'll see because they're kind of keep playing playing it pretty close to the vest on exactly what they're going to do. If they're putting him at left tackle, it makes sense for the deal, and that, that would move Colton Miller to right tackle. Of course, then it would draw questions of like, well, you just spent a first-round pick on Colton Miller. You were talking about him being the, the future left tackle, which means you were riding with him and, and his mistakes as a rookie for a reason, and now you're going to give up on that reason, even though I, I happen to agree with that plan to move him to the to right tackle. I think he should have been there in the first place. And then if you play Trent Brown at right tackle, then it brings questions of why are you paying record offensive lineman money for a right tackle? And you could say you, you could say right tackles are just as important as left tackles in the NFL these days because the best pass rushers tend to line up across from the right tackle. However, the reason they tend to line up across from the right tackle is because the right tackle is usually the lesser of the two tackles, so they feel like they have a better chance of getting a sack. You put the better tackle at the right tackle spot, they're just going to line up over the left tackle. It's just They're just going to find which, whatever the weak spot is and try to exploit it wherever it is. And uh, at this point, between Trent Brown and Colt Miller, it looks like Colt Miller might be the weak spot. But again, we just don't. No, Trent Brown only had that success for the one season. Obviously, he played tackle for the 49ers for a few seasons, but he was considered a marginal tackle. And then he joins the Patriots system with a great offensive line coach and starts all season, goes to the Super Bowl, which being the left tackle on a Super Bowl team earns a lot of money for a player. But uh, the way the Raiders went after him, just so aggressively right at the start, like as soon as that clock struck the start of the negotiating period, they were on the phone with Rosenhaus saying, we want to give your unproven, somewhat unproven left tackle free agent record money. And Rosenhaus is like, okay, I'll tell him that he had, we have a deal he can't refuse. And 10 minutes in, the Raiders had Trent Brown. Where the risk lies in my mind is, is this isn't just a one-year prove-it type of deal. He's he's got guarantees that go at, that actually get bumped to next year uh, in Vegas You know, for the tax purpose part of that, of course. But that means that they are stuck with him for at least two years at this record money, even more next year, or they're going to be saddled with crazy dead money. Uh, it's, I, I think it's a risk. I don't know what you think about it, Todd. Well, I certainly think Trent Brown is a risk, but I also think he has one of the biggest upsides of anybody who's signed in this free agent class. I mean, I watched the AFC playoffs, as all of us did. Uh, we, we all saw Tom Brady not get sacked for basically the entirety of it. And Trent Brown was a big, giant part of that. Now, you can attribute that to his offensive line coaching, and you can say maybe Tom, Tom Cable is a downgrade, but as far as size and, and footwork and raw physical ability, you're just not going to find a whole lot of people who are better and bigger than Trent Brown. Um, so, uh, I mean, I think as far as upside goes, as far as potential reward for the risk you're taking, he's about as good as you're going to get. Ah, uh, yes. I love, I love the word upside because it, it means – raw physical unproven talent whenever you're talking about like draft picks and stuff like that upside is in my mind i see upside and that's a red flag because it usually just means that they just don't have the they haven't proven it they don't have the production yet 
that their best football is in front of them. But I see what you're saying. Yeah, he definitely has that big size that Tom Cable likes. But Tom Cable is known to have offensive lines go into the tank as soon as he arrives on the scene. So uh, he's probably the bigger wild card than even Trent Brown is as far as what you're going to get from this line as it's as currently constructed. So let's let's move on to the next guy who else they picked up uh, that we haven't mentioned. Uh, well, Marcus Joyner. That's their, their first big defensive guy. I saw a joke somebody put out there. He signs all these offensive guys and, and uh, Paul Gunther's like, hey, um, are we going to get a guy on defense? And John Gruden says, oh, I got you too. Uh, what do you, and he said, what do you mean you got me too? Yeah, LaMarcus Joyner, he plays two positions. What more do you want? Because he plays, he's going to play both the nickel corner spot and the safety spot, probably mostly the nickel corner spot because he's, he's 5'10", and, uh, and uh, Carl Joseph is – no, I'm sorry. He's 5'8". Carl Joseph is 5'10 in heels. I've stood next to Carl Joseph and I'm like, I'm 5'11 and you're more than an inch shorter than me. But uh, okay. So yeah, having those two small guys both playing the safety position wouldn't be the smartest idea in the world. You want to, I mean, you got, they re-signed Eric Harris, as we mentioned earlier. He's 6'3". So he's got that size that you need, you know, the cover tight ends type of deal, the, uh, the big box safety presence. But, uh, I mean, Joyner's got some pop, but at 5'8", you know, you, you know, there's a limit to that. What you get from Joyner is you get what Marcus Gilchrist brought them last season from a, an intelligence perspective, but with a lot more talent. They raved about Marcus Gilchrist's te- intelligence in training camp last year, talking about how when he retires, he should become a coach, which is another way of saying you should probably retire soon. But uh, Marcus Gilchrist, is, he's a journeyman. He's kind of one of those patches. You, know, you can get by with this guy. And he, he, uh, Gunther liked it because in his first season, he needed smart guys who could run his defense. Well, now he needs more than that. So they brought in Joyner to play that spot. Uh, in my mind, other than Antonio Brown, Marcus Joyner is probably the best addition they have what uh would you agree with that assessment or would you go in another direction no I, I agree with that i think joiner is a fantastic player uh the positional versatility is something that the raiders have have long valued um, i mean i was a big fan of joiner even in college at florida state and and he certainly proved himself to be a, a really good player at, with the rams early on in his career and and in the, in the last couple of years he's been fantastic too um, not the biggest guy in the world, but he's a, he's a sure tackler. He only missed a couple of tackles last year. And as we know, the Raiders aren't the best at tackling. So that's a, that's an element that he can bring to the team that they don't necessarily have. Um, I think a, a, one of the big uh, advantages of having him is sort of an addition by subtraction. We're going to see uh, basically no Reggie Nelson this year and more Marcus Joyner, uh, which will make them better immediately. Um, I, I think you need a nickel guy, a really good nickel guy like that. Those guys are becoming really, really valued in the league because teams are in base nickel like 60-70% of the time. And if you don't have a nickel back who makes your team better and, and makes your team harder to throw against, you're going to have a real bad time. Very important position. Really terrible band. Very important position. I think that's the moral here. After those big signings, we mentioned J.J. Nelson was more of a depth signing. After those four top acquisitions, Brown, the two Browns, Antonio and Trent, Marcus Joyner, Tyrell Williams, those are your starter acquisitions so far they started getting into that third tier that uh, the jj nelson um signing and josh morrow who everybody was like who including me i was like who well he has a history with uh brinson buckner 
as as a as a defensive end slash defensive tackle. Um, he's not gonna. And while we're all like wondering where the heck is this the the pass rush that this team needs? Why why did all the pass rushers seem to leave off the free agent market and the Raiders made no moves to get them? And then they bring in Josh Moore and you look. Oh well, he must be an under the radar sack guy. He's got three career sacks. He's a run stopper, like through and through. He's basically Frosty Rucker, but a bit younger. Uh, who basically means he can play that uh, that uh, kind of three four defensive end, four three defensive tackle spot, and he's not going to offer you much more than that. Um, I think he's mostly a another piece in the puzzle. He plays a somewhat unique position because I don't think that you're going to get that you're going to get um, Maurice Hurst or PJ Hall playing um, that that style of defensive end. They're pretty much pure defensive tackle guys. But that's it. That's their that's their free agent class so far. Antonio Brown, Trent Brown, Lamarcus Joyner, Tyrell Williams, JJ Nelson, Josh Morrow. Uh, it's obviously obvious the uh, the glaring non acquired positions of need in there are. Um, running back, linebacker, pass rusher, not necessarily in that order. And should they lose Jared Cook, who last we heard was visiting New Orleans, his status is up in the air. Tight end would, if should they lose him, which it looks very possible they will, um, his uh, the tight end position immediately becomes a major need. Did I miss any positions there? Or did I you think I got the uh, the gist of what they haven't done that they desperately need to do? Well, we talked about linebacker, and I imagine they'll be signing somebody um, in that position in the next couple of days. I think the next, the second wave of free agent signings is coming, and I think they'll be addressing the, the positions that we mentioned so far as being positions of need, uh, especially linebacker. I think that's that's probably the next shoe that will drop. Yeah, it seems like they're really focusing on getting some of these uh, second-tier, third-tier guys that are still out there. Linebacker seems to be a position that wasn't uh... – gone after really hard obviously cj mosley was a guy it was the top guy out there that you wanted to take a look at to at linebacker but he got crazy money and they clearly didn't weren't ready to spend that kind of money on the linebacker position much to uh paul gunther's chagrin i'm sure but if he could at least get his guy uh vontes perfect who he loves uh, we'll call him a perfect fit for uh for Paul Gunther's, I need a sound effect, one of those wah, wah, wah for, for that bad joke. But uh, then at least would help bring in somebody for that defense because they really need to start looking at that. When you when you have a, an historically bad defense and you've only brought in one defensive starter in, in free agency, you, it doesn't seem like you're doing this, you're going about this the right way. When you got three wide receivers and one defensive starter, yikes. So, yeah. I don't see. Uh, I see. I do see some more moves. They still got a decent amount of money, especially after uh, the release of Donald Penn recently. I, it looks like they're kind of just kind of doing some cleanup at the end here and heading for the draft. Yeah, I expect Ed Rusher to be a, a point of focus in the draft. I think they'll probably double dip at that position, and I think they'll also address tight end in the draft as well. You have three first round tight end prospects. I think one of them is going to fall to pick twenty four. I think you have to address your edge rusher at pick four, um, you know, and that's that's a month away. So I think they're going to address what they can with free agency and address the rest with the draft. And don't really have much choice at this point. Okay, so overall, I think the uh, 
um, what I don't know what grade I would give this free agency because it's not completely finished. But so far, so far, I might give it uh, a C just because you really expected there to be more emphasis on um, pass rusher as badly as they needed pass rushers. You can't just put it all on the draft. I, I thought absolutely they had to bring in um, an edge rusher. I mean, I guess Justin Houston is still out there. Uh, that seems like as long as he's not signed by somebody, he's still a possibility. But uh, until if and when that happens, that uh, this this free agency period looks not like not quite a success. They so the obviously Antonio Brown is great. Trent, Trent Brown could be the answer they're looking for at tackle, and Lamarcus Joyner is a a nice addition as that nickel corner safety guy. But uh, this point, draft, draft, draft. You got any uh, last thoughts before we wrap this thing up, Tyler? The draft is going to be real exciting. Uh, not often teams get three first-round picks, um, and it's it's not often they have so many holes they have to fill with them. Uh, so the Raiders have been one of the most active teams in free agency so far, just simply out of necessity and because they had a lot of cap space. You look at teams like the Colts who have had a lot of cap space, and they've done essentially nothing. Um, so it's nice to see the Raiders going out and getting the guys that they want. Uh, so we'll see if they're going to be equally active during the draft as well. All right. We've got a few. we got a, probably about a month and a half before the draft hits. And uh, I'm sure that we'll have plenty to discuss before that comes around. Until then, thanks again for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time on the Silver and Black Pridecast.